This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. This is Dick Donahue this Sunday morning with you here on KGMI. And let's talk about beware of a gridlock rally. You know, Election Day... When we're all done, we'll bring results for key Senate, House, and Governor's races from all around the country, plus local legislative races and more. But the federal races, our projection is the Republicans are essentially a slam dunk to take back the House of Representatives, and possibly like, I guess I should say at this point, to take back the Senate. If we're right about election outcomes, or even close, many stock market investors might take it as a reason to be bullish. The result would be gridlock which means no major federal legislation could be enacted unless it got a significant bipartisan support. And gridlock has been good for stock market investors in the past few decades, particularly when there's been a Democratic president and Republicans in control of at least one House of Congress. For example, under President Clinton, when the market closed on election night in 1994, when the Republicans took control of both Houses of Congress for the first time in 40 years, to the end of the Clinton presidency, the S&P 500 generated a total return of 20.7% per year. And under President Obama, from the close of the midterm election night in 2010, when the GOP took House and, and made gains in the Senate, through the end of its presidency, the S&P 500 generated a total return of 13.3% per year. But there are some big differences between the current economic situation and those other two episodes. In November of 1994, consumer price inflation on a year-ago comparison basis was running at 2.7%. In November of 2010, the CPI was running at 1.1%. Right now, inflation is running north of 8%, and the Fed is ratcheting up rates no matter who wins. Back in the 1990s, theoretical gridlock ended up being a mirage as President Clinton and Congressional Republicans ended up agreeing on welfare reform, trimming Medicare, cutting the capital gains tax, and expanding free trade. His scandal had interceded late in the Clinton presidency, even Social Security reform would have been possible. President Obama and Congressional Republicans agreed on much less, but gridlock meant no more expansion of entitlements like health care, and did result in a compromise that extended much of the Bush tax cuts originally enacted in 2001 to 2003. And if the stock market soon rallies broadly because investors think a current episode of gridlock under a Democratic president will end up looking like it didn't last to, we think they may end up, end up a little bit disappointed. We think the rally will fade, just like the bear markets rally that we've had this past summer from mid-June to mid-August. Doesn't mean that investors should ignore the election results, though. Who wins and loses should have an influence on which sectors might be better for at least the next couple of years. But expecting a quick and broad end of the bear market is expecting a little too much right now. And the same goes for the rally that might materialize if and when the Federal Reserve stops rising short-term interest rates next year. As investors might bid up stock prices initially in relief, but the rally could fade. So ultimately the stock market will be dominated not by election results, but by fundamentals. Higher interest rates have been the key headwind for stocks this year. Next year is likely to be weaker profits and a sugar high if stimulus fades. The election results are unlikely to have an effect on interest rates or corporate profits this next year. Meanwhile, President Biden is very unlikely to start cutting tax rates, government spending, or regulations that might impede energy production. Vetoes and executive orders are more likely. So if you like one political side or the other, we're sure it will give you reasons to cheer or jeer. But don't let your personal political preferences cloud your judgment. The bear market is further to go, and recession is likely in the next 18 months, no matter what the outcome 
although we think the bear market may continue, in other words, we don't necessarily look for it to get back to the highs we had, we think we may not go back much lower than where we've been either. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. History shows us the market will be higher a year from now. We'll just have to see how much those final election results come out. Let's take a look at our global roundup for the week. We saw that cooler U.S. inflation set the markets on fire. Global equities were higher in the week as U.S. shares soared after milder than expected U.S. inflation data. Also contributing was a moderate easing of COVID restrictions in China. The broad market closed on Friday for Veterans Day. The yield and 10-year U.S. Treasury notes settled at 3.82% on Thursday, down from 4.17% a week ago. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil declined to 89 and a quarter from 92 last week, and volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, declined to 23.6 from 24.75 last Friday. In macro news, we're seeing easier U.S. CPI raises hopes for less aggressive Fed news. On Thursday, the consumer price index rose less than expected. We'll give you more report on that here in a minute but helped send both stocks and bonds soaring on hopes that the U.S. Federal Reserve will make rate hikes in smaller increments in the meetings ahead before pausing in the first half of next year. The Consumer Price Index rose 7.7% last month from a year ago, down from 8.2% rise in September. Core inflation rose 6.3%, below September's 6.6% reading. In the wake of the data, investors expect the Fed to hike by a half a percent in December, after reducing bets for a fifth straight three-quarters of 1% rise. Investors are evenly split on whether the Fed will hike a quarter or a half a point in its February meeting. Several regional Federal Reserve presidents spoke on Thursday after the CPI release, saying that they welcomed the inflation slowdown, but emphasizing that rates will need to rise further and remain in restrictive territory for some time to put inflation on a sustainable downward path. One upshot of the soft data was significantly loosing of financial conditions as stocks and bonds rallied sharply. The dollar fell, something monetary policymakers are like unlikely to welcome. And we're seeing that the U.S. Democrats are likely to suffer smaller than average midterm losses. That's one reason for some of my little hesitancy on my opening remarks, is because we think that the gains we're expecting aren't going to be as big as we thought they might be. But anyway, while many voters remain uncounted, Republican lawmakers look to set narrowly gain control of the House of Representatives, with control of the Senate may come down to that runoff in Georgia in December. In the days leading up to the election, prognostators had forecast that the Republicans would gain a comfortable majority in the House and a narrow one in the Senate. Markets tend to favor divided government as returns are generally slightly stronger under the scenario than under unified government. We also found that over the last 90 years, the S&P 500 index after midterms has generated a median return through year-end of about 3% through the year-end after the election and 70% median return over 12 months following the election as political uncertainty lifts. A divided government with Democratic president in the White House has historically been the best environment for equities with average annual returns of over 16%. In the 19 midterm cycles since World War II, Deutsche Bank found that the S&P 500 has risen in the 12 months, every 12-month time frame, after the elections, every time. And we're seeing another crypto blowout rattles the markets. The sudden failure of FTX, one of the largest global cryptocurrency exchanges, after nearly $10 billion in customers' funds were lent to an unaffiliated trading firm, unsettled markets at midweek, and fears that spillovers from the collapse could result in contagion in the markets. The opaque nature of the lightly regarded market, the uncertain value of collateral, and the vast quantities of leverage typically deployed in digital space have led to several risk-off episodes in traditional financial markets in the last year, a time when the value of Bitcoin has declined from nearly 70000 to under 16000 as of Wednesday, when a bailout of FTX by a competitor failed to come to fruition. U.S. regulators and U.S. Department of Justice are investigating the firm's use of customers' funds. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Hey, how was the grocery store? Everything is getting more and more expensive. 
I know, I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up. We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which. Well, I was talking to Joe and he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. The guys that came out to install it were professional and the heat pump works great. He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into. That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment. Call Linden Sheet Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save on installation and monthly utility bills. And we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. This is Heidi Person, General Manager of the Cascade Radio Group, with a look at some good news in our community that we like to call the Upside. The Assistance League of Bellingham is a part of a national organization with 120 chapters throughout the United States. They are an all-volunteer 501c3, and their thrift and gift store on Meridian Street funds various programs throughout the year, such as their Summer Enrichment Scholarship Program for Whatcom County High School and Middle School students to attend the summer programs of their choice. This summer, the Assistance League of Bellingham awarded $47,900. For more information on the Assistance League, visit assistanceleague.org slash Bellingham. The Upside is brought to you from a grant provided by Bayside Coin and Jewelry. They are the largest buyer and seller of gold and silver in the Northwest. Bayside Coin and Jewelry in the Iowa Business Park. If you have good news to report, email it to us at the Upside at CascadeRadioGroup.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you. Hope you've had a great week. You want to get a hold of us? Give us a call. We're Asset Advisors located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101. That's Ferndale, 98248. Phone number 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Among other things, we've got a new posting on there that you might find of interest. Uh, We posted an update that talks about, let's talk about midterm elections. It's posted on our website. You can go in there under insights and again that's wealthwakeup.com so go take a look at it if you're so inclined talking about what impact the midterm elections may have on our investments and we regularly post updates on there that are available to you and again that's at wealthwakeup.com click on the tab under insights and take a listen love to have you do so okay continuing on with a few quick hits on the global report this week We found that the British government plans to reduce a surcharge on bank profits from 8% to 3% to improve the industry's competitiveness when its corporate tax rates rise from 19% to 25% this April. The tax was put in place after a global financial crisis to help offset the cost of government bailouts. In a post-midterm election press conference, U.S. President Joe Biden said that he does intend to run for re-election in 2024. And Russian President Vladimir Putin is expected to skip next week's G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia. China's President Xi and Jinping and Biden are expected to meet on the sidelines of the summit on Monday. And Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Pill, suggested that officials made a mistake in continuing their stimulus programs through the pandemic, saying that money printing has contributed to rocketing inflation. And Biden also will address the U.N. Climate Conference. In fact, he did that on Friday, and he announced new initiatives in order to tackle climate change. Rather than interesting, also he, at that time, also made a statement regarding the recent past legislation that was supposed to help turn the economy about and reduce inflation when he said that it was primarily a bill that addressed green agenda. Rather interesting comments that he made regarding that that legislation. 
and also the British economy contracted on an annualized rate of 7 tenths of 1% in the third quarter, according to the Office of National Statistics reported on Friday. And Ukrainian President Zelensky said he is open to negotiations with Russia on ending the war in Ukraine if talks focus on safeguarding Ukraine's territorial integrity, involve compensation from Moscow, and punish perpetrators of war crimes. Uh, hope for successful talks remain muted as Putin insists that Moscow's territorial demands are non-negotiable. So I don't think we're going to see much come out of that one. And the Fed's senior loan officer opinion survey showed that bank lending standards for commercial and industrial loans are tightening. We also saw a study published by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco that it says a proxy that incorporates data from financial markets indicates that U.S. financial conditions are about 200 basis points. That would be 2% tighter than the current level of the Fed funds rates, which is just below 4%. China's exports shrank in October for the first time since early in the pandemic. Imports slumped as well amid slowing domestic demand on the back of renewed COVID restrictions in multiple parts of the country as cases rose to their highest level since mid-April. China's new Politburo Standing Committee urged local leaders to be more targeted in their COVID restrictions so as to avoid damage to the economy. And on Friday, a 20-point playbook that slightly eases restrictions was released. Again, that is in China. In the U.S., Biden's student loan forgiveness plan was struck down by federal appeals court on Thursday. The program was put in place by executive order and not through congressional budget appropriation. Will have cost taxpayers around $520 billion, according to Penn Wharton budget model. The Biden administration is appealing the ruling. In the wake of softer U.S. inflation, interest rate differentials have narrowed, sending the U.S. dollar lower. The dollar index has declined roughly 6.5% from its late September peak, easing a headwind against overseas earnings of U.S. multinationals. And Chinese officials instructed banks to provide the property sector with $56 billion in loan over the final two months of the year. That comes on top of $85 billion that banks have been, were directed to lend to the industry in September. And in earnings news, we now have about 91% of the constituents of the S&P 500 that have reported for the third quarter. And blended earnings per share, which combines both reported data with estimates for those that have yet to report, shows that earnings growth is running at 2.2%, while sales rose about 10.7% compared with the same quarter a year ago, according to data from FactSet Research. If you strip out the contribution of earnings growth from the energy sector, earnings per share actually declined 5%. So again, as I reported on yesterday's show, the energy sector has been very, very, very strong so far this year. And every Sunday, I do spend a lot of time on the show talking about different economic reports that we've had for the week. We only got one this week, and that is the October Consumer Price Index. A little light on those type of reports, but basically the question is, is inflation slowing down? Well, on a year-over-year basis, it looks to be the case, as overall consumer prices rose four-tenths of one percent in October, fell short of the consensus, which was expected to be about a six-tenths of 1% increase, and pushing the year-ago comparison down for the fourth month in a row to 7.7%. But, you know, we can't break out the champagne bottles yet. Inflation is still a major problem for the economy, and a 7.7% annual inflation rate is still far above the Federal Reserve's long-term target of 2%. And while it's too early to tell for sure, there are several positive pieces of evidence in this report. First, the typically volatile energy sector was not the reason that the October inflation was relatively tame, as energy prices rose 1.8% for the month after falling a combined 11.3% in the three months prior. So if you exclude energy, consumer prices rose an almost respectable three-tenths of 1%. Meanwhile, food prices rose six-tenths of 1%, which is the smallest month of gain in 2022. If you strip out these two categories, they show the core prices moderated in October, rising three-tenths of 1% versus an expected gain of a half a percent. And that's pushing the year-ago comparison down to 6.3% from 6.6% in September. Housing rents? 
for both actual rent tenants and rental value of owner-occupied homes continued to increase at an outsized pace, rising six-tenths of one percent, but that's still far below the back-breaking pace set last month when both categories posted the largest monthly increases in more than 30 years. And housing rents accounted for nearly half of the overall rise in consumer prices. We expect it to continue to be a key driver of inflation in 23 and 24 because it makes up over 30% of the overall CPI. And we still have a long way to go to catch up with home prices that have skyrocketed during COVID. So digging into the core data shows inflation was held down by a handful of categories that declined in October with one major caveat. That caveat come in the category for medical care, which declined six-tenths of one percent. That's the largest drop in that category in more than 50 years. But it was due to the way that the government attracts health care prices and makes adjustments each year in October based on how often people go to the doctor. This drag on overall core inflation should not be expected to repeat in the months ahead. Other categories that declined in October were prices for used vehicles down 2.4%, airfare down 1.1%, apparel down 7 tenths of 1%. And while the report may be welcome news to the markets, make no mistake, the Fed still has a long way to go before it can say that inflation scare is over. In other news, initial unemployment claims rose 7,000 this last week to 225,000. Continuing claims rose 6,000 to 1.493 million. These figures are very low by historical standards. They suggest continued solid job growth in the month of November. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We will be back shortly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. It's bad. What do you think their motive is, Chris? What do they want? We're a Petri dish. I, I firmly believe that they look at us as nothing like we look at dolphins and whales. We tag them and we send them back out. The UFOs, ghosts, and other paranormal phenomena. They're researching us, so we better start researching them more seriously than what we are right now. And we could be their creation. We could. Coast to Coast is back on KGMI every night, 10 o'clock and beyond. Columbia Fire is expanding and hiring. If you're a licensed sprinkler fitter, sales estimator, or project manager, Columbia Fire is offering flexible scheduling on a winning team with competitive pay, medical, dental, and 401k matching. So if you're an experienced sprinkler fitter, sales estimator, or project manager, take your career to the next level and have fun doing it with Columbia Fire. For career opportunities, go to ColumbiaFire.net. That's ColumbiaFire.net. Hi, this is Scott from Northwest Sleep Solutions in Fairhaven. As we wind down yet another glorious Northwest summer, it's time again to turn our focus inside. Whether you're a college student needing a last-minute mattress for school or somebody looking to spruce up your guest room for the upcoming holidays, or maybe you're just somebody who wants to improve your own sleep, we've got you covered. Choose from over 35 models from manufacturers like Tempur-Pedic, Simmons Beautyrest, 45th Street Natural Latex, Sutherland Sleep, and our own Northwest Sleep eco-friendly line designed right here in Bellingham. All at the best guaranteed prices in the area. Plus, we still offer free delivery, setup, and removal of your old mattress, all at no additional charge. And remember, we also have free signed parking for our customers right behind our building. So come see us at Northwest Sleep Solutions on the corner of 10th and McKenzie in Fairhaven. Is an injury, accident, or pain keeping you from the activities you enjoy most? This is Dr. Jeanette Penner, a physical therapist and owner of Capstone Physical Therapy. Our Capstone team of physical therapists want to help get you back to the activities you enjoy and living life pain-free. 
Whether you're limited by a sports injury, work injury, an accident, surgery, or any other pain-causing or life-altering condition, our therapists will take the time to listen and understand your condition and create a treatment plan to help you reach your goals. We have specialty providers for hand therapy, women's health, sports rehabilitation, and an LNI-approved return-to-work program. We recently opened new clinics in Fairhaven, Ferndale, and Birch Bay. With seven locations in Whatcom County, a capstone physical therapy clinic is always close when you need us most. Capstone Physical Therapy, voted best of the Northwest for the past four years, with locations in Fairhaven, Barkley, Cordata, Ferndale, Linden, Birch Bay, and Blaine. Learn how Capstone View today at capstonept.com. Generosity pays, and West Edge Credit Union wants to encourage a little generosity. Now through the end of the year, receive an extra quarter point discount off your interest rate on any car, truck, or motorcycle loan from West Edge, and no payments for 90 days when you donate $25 to a local charity. Now that's a win-win. Offer valid through December 31st on approved credit. See West Edge for details. West Edge Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, on the corner of James and Alabama. Online at westedgecu.org. Honey, look what I brought home. Not a cat. You know I'm allergic. Well, you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mice will play. (laughs) Why didn't you just call Biobug? Have you had enough of playing cat and mouse? Biobug Pest Management is here to help. Whether you have rats or mice in your business, residence, or commercial building, Biobug is committed to providing a solution that's right for you. To learn more and get your free quote, visit Biobug.com. Biobug Pest Management. Service you trust, experience you expect. Get informed and inspired with Saturday Morning Live on KGMI. Join a group of knowledgeable hosts as they present a variety of guests and viewpoints on issues important to our area and to you and your family. Sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, and Linden Sheet Metal, each Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the IRA distribution planning that we're doing with our clients. A lot of questions come in at different times. We do focus a lot on it. As I've mentioned before, I'm a member of the Master Elite IRA Study Group. Ed Slot joined it in 2005, twice a year. We spent a couple days twice a year doing nothing but sitting down and keeping up on what's happening with IRAs. And so um, I'm going to start out today trying to give you a clear explanation of when is the required beginning date that you need to take out money out of an IRA. And basically this has been somewhat in flux because the SECURE Act that was passed in 2019 shoved the required beginning date to the front of the stage. No longer can the RMB required beginning date hide from the bright lights which is what some of a minor date in people's lives has blossomed into an important event with cascading impacts of generations of potential beneficiaries. Death in relation to the required beginning date now impacts whether required minimum distributions are required within a 10-year payout for beneficiaries. Additionally, and what has been the case, the required beginning date defines when lifetime RMDs are to begin for the original account owner and whether or not beneficiaries need to make, it may take a year on death RMD. So despite its importance, the required beginning date and its impact on both lifetime and post-death RMDs remains a confusing topic. Questions abound from financial advisors and the public. To clarify the subject, I'm going to lean on two examples and an introductory commentary to help explain the required beginning date. First of all, that introductory explanation. The required beginning date is a definition line in the sand, a definitive line in the sand. April 1st of the year, after the year, 
that a person turns 72. It's not the year you turn 72. It's not the end of the year. There's nothing nebulous about it. April 1st of the year, after the year that you turn 72, is a clear black circle on the calendar. A person can either die before this precise date, or they can die on or after this date. And when they die, decides if or not and when RMDs are taken and how they apply. Let's take an example here. Carol is is proactive. She likes to get things done off of her to-do list. She turns 72 in January of this year. She knows that this year is her first RMD year. And if she chose, she could have delayed her RMD until her required beginning date, which is April 1st of next year or 2023. But Carol never delays anything. She promptly took her RMD after her birthday in January. Good job, Carol. Now it's autumn and Carol gets hit by a bus and dies. So the question came up, was the distribution that Carol took back in January? She took a withdrawal in anticipation of reaching her required beginning date, but she never reached that date because that would be April 1st of next year. In fact, since Carol died before her required beginning date, the distribution that she took from her IRA in January was just a voluntary withdrawal that she did not have to take in. So Carol didn't know that, of course, at the time. Now she's dead. But that does impact what her beneficiaries to do have to do. Let's take a second example. Sam is oblivious. He does not pay attention to his finances, has never heard of RMD or a required beginning date. He doesn't know about required minimum distributions or the required beginning date. Sam has also turned 72 in January. He doesn't take a distribution from his IRA. At the end of 22, Sam has still not taken any distributions. Now it's January of 23. Sam turns 73. Sam doesn't touch his IRA. Now it's late March in 23, and Sam has an appointment with his financial advisor. The advisor tells Sam that since he turned 72 last January, he now needs to take two RMDs in 23. One for that first year, one for the second year. Well, Sam's sitting here at my desk. He has a heart attack and dies right there, right then and there. So the question is, does Sam have a missed RMD situation? Do Sam's IRA beneficiaries need to be concerned themselves with taking a year of death RMD? We do not have a missed RMD situation. Sam's IRA beneficiaries do not have to worry about a year of death RMD. Like Carol in example one, Sam is considered to have died before his required beginning date, which would have been April 1st of next year. Since Sam never made it, because it was March of next year that he died, he never made it to April 1st. That circle date on the calendar, that RMD never applied to his IRA. The first RMD is taken in anticipation of reaching that required beginning date. However, one must then make it to the RMD date to, in fact, officially initiate required minimum distribution. So, kind of an interesting little play on timelines there, but something that you kind of need to keep in mind and the type of thing that if you've got questions, again, we love working with this stuff. Now, I'm going to continue talking about required beginning date, and it now is, though, a really big deal, because when it comes to IRAs and workplace plans, the concept of required beginning date is a big deal. The required beginning date, or RBD, is the first date that you're required to start required minimum distributions. For traditional IRAs, the beginning date, as I mentioned a minute ago, is April 1st of the year following the year that you turn age 72. But if you're born before July 1st of 49, your required beginning date was April 1st of the year after you turned 70 and a half. So you got to keep that back in your head too. There are no lifetime RMDs for Roth owners. So they're always considered to have died before the required beginning date with respect to their Roth IRAs. And most companies' plans allow you to delay your RMD until April 1st of the year following the year that you retire if you work past age 72. However, this rule, called the still working exception, isn't available if you own more than 5% of the company plan or stock. So it's important to remember that choosing to take your first RMD before April 1st doesn't accelerate your required beginning date. The SECURE Act completely changed this required minimum distribution rules for inherited IRAs and company plan accounts. With the new law, 
most people believe it's no longer mattered whether the original IRA died before or after his required beginning date. But the new law clearly requires most beneficiaries, except for spouses and certain other what we call eligible designated beneficiaries, to empty the inherited accounts within 10 years after death. Very important if you're not married to the person or meet one of those exceptions, then you have to take that money out before the end of 10 years. And the life expectancy stretch is expected to be still available for those eligible designated beneficiaries. However, like the other was the old five-year rule, it appeared that annual RMDs were not required during that 10-year period. Well, the IRS saw it differently and proposed regulations issued February 23rd of this year. The service called attention to the old RMD rule and called it at least as rapidly rule and said that the SECURE Act did not do away with that rule. The at least as rapidly rule says that once a retirement plan owner begins taking RMDs, RMDs must continue after the owner's death. So if that person dies, has been taking money out, they got to continue or their beneficiaries need to do the same. This means that when an individual beneficiary other than an eligible designated beneficiary inherits after 2019, that their beginning RMD rules are in place depending on when the original account owner died. If it died before the required bidding get-in date, the 10-year rule applies, but annual RMDs aren't required during that 10-year period. However, if death occurred after or on or after the required beginning date, the 10-year rule applies. Beneficiary must take out RMDs in years 1 to 9. So if they die after the required beginning date, you have to take out money after years 1 through 9. If they die before that required beginning date, which is April 1st of the year after they turn 72, then you can wait as long as 10 years before you take out that money. Okay, I know it's confusing, but that's what we try to do. Try to work with it. Try to answer it. Anyway, subject to February regulations, the IRS received a significant pushback on the RMD rules for deaths on or after that required beginning date. And then October 7th, they announced that they're going to waive penalties for 21 and 22 for those first two years if if 10-year beneficiaries, if they had not complied with the withdrawal, they still have to take out the money, but they're going to waive penalties on those missed 22 RMDs in the 10-year period basically will start back in 21 as an example, but they'll have to still use that same 10-year period, but they won't get penalized if they didn't take out money as soon as they should have. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about another little thing here real quick. We're finding that the clock is ticking on 22 conversions, so if you're looking at doing a Roth conversion, well, you know, fall is in full swing, football, foliage, pumpkin spice, everything, holiday season just around the corner, or you know it, the year 22 will come to an end. If you're considering converting a IRA to a Roth this year, the clock is ticking. Here's some things you need to know making these decisions. Number one, you have a December 31st deadline. Because those IRAs are down in value, depending on your tax situation, we can run software to help you make that decision. But you have to December 31st to complete the conversion. There's a common misconception. The conversion can be done up until the client's tax filing deadline. That's not the case. There is no such thing as prior year conversion. The distribution must be taken this year and reported in 10, this year on Form 1099. It's best not to wait until the last minute. Be sure to leave enough time to get the transaction done because sometimes some custodians need that time. So for trading a tax bill now on tax-free gains later, if you convert your traditional IRA to a Roth in 22, your pre-tax traditional IRAs can be included in your income this year. You'll increase your 22 income, which may impact certain deductions, credits, exemptions, phase-outs, taxation or Social Security benefits, Medicare Part B and D premiums. In other words, anything on your tax return impacted by an increase in income. This is a tax hit. you got to keep it in perspective. Again, we can help you determine exactly what's going to happen if you want to consider that. So remember, the extra income will be only for 22, the year of the conversion. The trade-off is the big tax benefit down the road. If you follow the rules for qualified Roth distributions, all of your Roth IRA funds, including the earnings, will be tax-free when distributed to you. Tax rates are historically low, but these rates are not here forever. There's a window of opportunity to take advantage of them. Lower tax rates are temporary, scheduled on sunset at the end of 25. While no one can make sure what the future will bring, federal government's large deficits make it much higher future tax rates likely. Converting now is a way to lock in low rates in 22 and avoid worries about uncertainty of future taxes. 
So good advice is a must. Again, the decision to whether to convert your traditional IRA to a Roth or 22 is a big one. This is not an answer for everybody. Conversion is definitely not a one-size-fits-all proposition. The recharacterization of Roth IRA conversions is no longer available. This means you're needing to make sure the conversion is the right move for you because there's no way to undo this transaction. And your 22 conversion is going to be irrevocable. Not sure what's right? Give us a call. We can help you go through and make those calculations. As I have said a couple of times, we'll be right back. Join Bellingham Coin for their holiday estate sale. Thursday the 17th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. You'll find tons of treasures just in time for the holidays. Browse through vintage and antique items with great value and tons of festive flair. You won't find gifts like these anywhere else. Make your VIP reservation now for the event of the season. On Thursday, November 17th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Come find your hidden treasures by visiting us at the Bellingham Coin Shop on Cornwall Avenue in Bellingham and at BellinghamCoin.com. The all-new Sumas Market is open and is celebrating with special grand opening prices throughout the store. A great selection of everything you need from your community grocery store. From grab-and-go snacks to next week's groceries, fresh meat and poultry, dairy department, produce, and dry goods. The all-new Sumas Market has it with fair prices and well-stocked shelves. Save time and save money at the new Sumas Market. Come and celebrate and save at your community grocery store. The new Sumas Market on Cherry Street opens seven. Seven days a week. What the? The hardwood, the carpeting, everything's soaked. The pipes must have burst. We better call Swans. If you have water damage, call Swans Clean Care and Restoration first. They work with all major insurance companies, and their new infrared thermal imaging technology enables them to detect hidden problems before they cause more damage. Swans is the water damage experts. They even offer ceiling drying for roof leaks. So call Swans today or visit them online at swanscarpetcleaning.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you again, as always. If you got questions for us, give us a call, 360-733-1200. Hey, I'm going to continue to talk about a couple other things. I get a lot of IRA questions. This one came in. It says, I inherited an IRA from my brother who passed away January 6th of this year. This, again, is his required beginning date question. His birth date was 12-31-52. He just turned 69. In this case, he says, I'm 75. His birth date was June 26th to 47. He said he understood the rules of change regarding inherited RMDs recently. Some accounts need to be depleted within 10 years. He said he watched a video recently on YouTube that said there were some exceptions to the rule. One exception is that you could use the stretch rule, meaning your life expectancy, if the beneficiary is no more than 10 years younger than you. In this case, he's five and a half years older. So that would the stretch rule apply to him? And basically, they thanked me, but he said basically, yes, it would. The SECURE Act requires that most individual beneficiaries who inherit a retirement account after 2019 empty the account by December 31st of the 10th year following the year of death. But as we noted, in this case, there are certain beneficiaries called Eligible Designated Beneficiaries, or EDBs. They can still stretch out required minimum distributions or RMDs over their single life expectancy. Eligible Designated Beneficiaries include a beneficiary who is not more than 10 years younger than the deceased IRA owner, or like you, is older than the deceased owner. Another question came in. said, I'm confused on the rules on the IRA conversion the five-year holding period. If an IRA was converted to a Roth IRA in 57, at age 57, I thought the five-year rule meant that you could not take the principal out of your conversion without paying the 10% penalty tax. Of course, the principal would be income tax-free, but if you take it out in three years when you're age 60, 
Would you still own the 10% penalty or is that waived because you're over the age of 59 and a half? And the answer is at age 60, the 10% penalty is waived. Converted amounts can always be distributed penalty-free after age 59 and a half, regardless of whether the five-year holding period has been satisfied. If the converted amounts are withdrawn before age 59 and a half, then the five-year conversion clock must be met in order to avoid that penalty. The five-year holding period begins on January 1st of the year that the conversion was done. There's a separate holding period for each conversion. So it's something to keep in mind about IRA and Roth conversions. And I had some more five-year rule questions. I had questions about RMDs and Roth IRAs. Again, this person said, I'm 72 years old. Can I take part of my RMD this year and the balance before April of next year? This now is back to that required beginning date question we've been talking about. Since you turned 72 years this year, you're 22 and 22 is your first year for taking the RMD. Your first RMD, you have to take it by April 1st of the year following the year that you turned 72. And you can take all or part of it. So if you want to take part of your RMD this year, the balance by April 23rd of next year, you're welcome to do so. You just need to remember that if you put it off till next year, you also have to take your 23 RMD and all future RMDs by December 31st of each subsequent year. So again, we've got software to help go through and run some planning illustrations for you to help figure out this kind of planning. Okay, another question was, I have a Roth IRA question, seeking your expertise. My question has to do with the Roth IRA five-year rule. Basically, I'm over 59 and a half. Another Roth IRA question here. I have a Roth IRA created with Roth contributions starting in 2015. Keep in mind this 2015 date that I mentioned. This Roth IRA meets the five-year rule. In other words, it's more than five years. I have a Roth 401k created by converting pre-tax funds to a Roth IRA annually, which was started in 2018. I'll roll over my Roth 401k into, into a second Roth custodial account, different than the custodian for the first Roth. Will the withdrawals from the already established second Roth IRA principal and earnings be tax and penalty free? The question then is, even though you've had just a couple of months short of meeting the five-year clock on that Roth 401k, you have full access to all of your Roth IRAs after the rollover. If you roll the 401k to a brand new Roth IRA before the end of 22, these former plan dollars will maintain the same character as they were in the plan, conversions and earnings when they go into a Roth IRA. However, they will adopt the clock of your existing Roth. Since you started your first Roth in 2015, the start date is going to apply for all of your Roths, so regardless of how many you have. Since you already meet the five-year clock on the first Roth IRA at age 59 and a half or older, you have immediate access to all of your Roth IRA contributions, conversions, and earnings tax-free. It might behoove you to wait until January before doing the rollover. This way, it'll be a qualified distribution from a plan. You can avoid any possible confusion of sorting out which plan conversion dollars and which was earnings. But again, that five-year clock, I've talked about this previously on shows, but I think it's really important to keep in mind. Your Roth conversion and Roth IRA dates start on the time that you set up and establish your first Roth. So even if you're age 25, go out and put $100 in a Roth IRA. You now have established that five-year rule. Something to keep in mind. For a long time going down line, something definitely to keep in mind. Okay, I'm going to change tones here now. I'm going to talk about Social Security a little bit. I had a question. Can I receive Social Security benefits while incarcerated? And basically, if you sign up two to three years after you're eligible for Social Security, how will that amount be calculated? If a person is incarcerated when they become eligible, then later signs up for Social Security when they're released, is it possible for them to use for the computation to include that six-month retroactive benefit period? Well, the answer is your Social Security benefit is adjusted based on your age when you claim it. You can claim a retirement benefit starting at age 62. However, because this is before your retirement is reduced by roughly 7% for each year before full retirement. So if you start out early before full retirement age, you're going to lose 7% a year. That stays with you forever. 
For retirement is age is the age in which one is eligible to receive an unreduced retirement benefit and is based on the year of birth. Beneficiaries born in 1960 have a full retirement age now of age 67. You start taking Social Security out before that, you're going to have that 7% reduction. In this case, assuming a full retirement age of 67, the beneficiary claiming their retirement benefit is 64, which is three years early. The retirement benefit is going to be reduced by about 21%. If this beneficiary's full retirement age, the projected benefit was $1,000, at age 64, they're going to receive a little bit less than $800 a month. And the reduction is permanent. It lasts until death. So if you take it out before, before your full retirement age, that benefit is permanently reduced. Your actual reduction is going to depend on the total number of months that you're claiming before your age. The Social Security Administration, as a calculator on this website, allows you to determine what your reduced benefit is going to be. Regarding Social Security benefits while you're incarcerated, a person is not eligible for Social Security benefits for any month or part of a month when they are, or he or she is confined for more than 30 consecutive days in a correctional institution in the U.S. based on conviction. You can find the specific citation on this from the SSA handbook. Confinement in a correctional institution do receive benefits if you are in a correctional institution. That's in the SSA, Social Security Administration Handbook. It says your benefits are withheld for any month or any part of a month that you're confined for more than 30 continuous days in a correctional institution in the U.S. based on conviction. So basically, retroactive benefits can only be claimed if a beneficiary is first applying for benefits at or after their full retirement age. With retirement benefits from prison beneficiaries, entitlement to Social Security benefits while serving prison sentence, benefits will start based on the age that the beneficiary is released from prison. If a beneficiary is receiving retirement benefits when first incarcerated, when the benefit restarts after release, the beneficiary is going to receive an increased benefit based on their current age at release. If a beneficiary is applying for retirement benefits for the first time after release, even if they are at full retirement age at the time of application, they cannot claim retroactive benefits for any month. So that six-month retroactive does not apply while they're in prison because they're not entitled to benefits during that time that they are in prison. So some very fine line definitions there that you need to keep in mind. Not always easy for people to accept those kind of things, but when they get in a situation in life where that's what they're where they're at, that's what they got to live with because they made something happened that decision was made for them. So, anyway, it's been Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. I want to thank you for listening again. If you got questions for us, don't be afraid to give us a call 360-733-1200 and check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. As I mentioned earlier, if you go on there and go in there under insights, you're going to find a new piece in there that's going to talk about what the uh, midterm elections and how it will impact your investments or some interesting articles. A uh, number of articles posted all the time under there. There was a number of articles this week. One was a tale of two employment reports and basically what's happening with the economy. Another one was silver lining of another Fed rate hike. Two good signs for inflation, talking about the CPI report and again that midterm election report. That's all under insights at wealthwakeup.com. Check it out. Dick Donahue with you. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget our live show on Saturdays at 11 o'clock. Have a great week. Voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.